doesn't sound right. It's a fun, it was a fun tradition. Hey, Josh. Hey, how are you this week? Uh, doing pretty good. They're uh, doing some construction down the street this week, and uh, things are a little bit noisy, but we get to go and watch fun uh, machinery come up and down the street. So pros and cons there. It's nice. pretty good. Nice, nice. Yeah, how old, how old's your son again? Yeah, my son's uh, just under a year, um, and then my daughter is uh, three. So the both of them, they just love, you know, we go over there and see the pumper trucks and all that kind of stuff. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember those days, just like a a big truck going by or even a little bit of construction somewhere would just be like, you could just stand there and they would just stare and watch in awe yeah. for like 15 <laughs> minutes or so. Yeah, it's great. How have things been with you? Uh, good, good. It's a, it's that time of quarter. <laughs> uh, I think I've talked about this time in the past. This has been a end of month, end of quarter is, is a little tumultuous for us. Um, you know, OKRs, things like that, like rounding up goals a quarter in the month and also setting new ones for the new. So it's like a, a, a bit of a, a lot, a lot going on at the same time, especially from a leadership uh, standpoint and manager standpoint. Yep, big time crunch for you for sure. Um, uh, it, it's it's it is better the end of year one because then you add that third <laughs> end of month, end of quarter, end of year. Yeah. So yeah, but then you get Christmas break yeah. though, so at least you get that. Uh, yeah, I don't really take a break as an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, things slow down right i hear less from other people so it actually if anything it i just get more quiet to actually move forward on the things mm -hmm. i want to move forward on versus the uh, reactive nature of the business and people yeah well don't forget to have a little bit of fun in life too you know so no, no it's integrated no, that's good that's good <laughs> yeah so uh today i was hoping we could talk about pricing um I've been reading uh, Alex Horwitz's book, uh, Million Dollar Offer, and been doing some thinking with product sonar a bit. And uh, yeah, I was hoping today we could kind of go through some of the pricing things that we've done over the years that you've done with Referral Rock and some of the things that I've done and, you know, kind of go through some of the different models too, like, you know, cost-based and uh, value-based pricing and all that. And uh, I thought that would be fun to talk about today. Yeah, that's a, that's a juicy topic. I feel like it's one of those ones that a lot of founders just have a lot of questions on. And I think there's a lot of reservations and not wanting to get it wrong, right? And and uh, But at the same time, everyone's saying, just get this out the door, start charging something you don't know until actually people are paying for it. So you get real real feedback versus just the, the uh, fake feedback of the people that don't have a stake in the game, so to speak. Yeah. And I feel like you want to get it right up front because you're like, you know, I, I want to get the right audience coming to me. Like if I, if I charge too little, am I going to get the wrong audience for what I'm trying to do? And if I charge too much, am I going to be excluding people? And, you know, how do I pick? And I, I think that's uh, <laughs> that could be a vicious cycle. Yeah. Just, just the, the questions you brought to yourself right there, just like took yourself for a whole turn. <laughs> Well, you've, you've done pricing uh, with Referral Rock and whatnot. Um, maybe you want to share a little bit about what you've done there. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, stuff dates back pretty far in terms of initial initial pricing. Like, you know, our initial pricing was in the 
like sub sub hundred dollar month range. I think our first plan was, you know, fifty nine or forty nine dollars a month. Um, okay. And then within a few months, we had a like professional plan for one hundred and ten. So that was like the very first pricing we had that was not like beta crazy speak so did you like did you kind of agonize over that or were you like oh yeah i've got this 59 yeah we're good uh i did i don't think i i don't recall agonizing very much over that in the beginning mostly because i think my vision for the product was was at least i had a clear vision i'm not saying it was the right vision but Mm. i I thought it was pretty clear in terms of this was going to be a tool for small businesses to run their referral programs in perpetuity, like a yoga business or these all, you know, again, I think I told you before we focused in the beginning, mostly on just like any business that wasn't like e-commerce or a transactional type of business. Yeah. Yeah. So did you, Um, did you kind of have competitors or whatever that you based that pricing on, or did you, you just kind of pulled that number? Uh, I don't remember looking too much at competitors then, but that just seemed to be the, the starting gate price of like a software as a service then for a small business, right? Like I didn't, I wasn't worried about going too cheap mm-hmm. or, or like, or sorry. I mean, I, I didn't, I definitely didn't want to go cheaper than that. Like I thought the value proposition from a, Hey, if I can get you more business and it's like, you're paying $50 a month, if it gets you three new customers, like that's pretty good value. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I think I thought about it in those terms. Um, and I, and I would also say that like the the Ubernote story, which we've talked a little bit about in the past, also kind of factored into that. So this was the push into B2B. So I knew I wasn't charging consumer-based pricing. And like right. consumer-based pricing with Ubernote was, you know, $29 a year. So it was like, I already knew, no, 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 I don't want consumer-based pricing. Like the point of Referral Rock it was the whole indie hacker dream of like, okay, if I can get, hey, a hundred people paying $50 a month, like, dude, Perfect. that's awesome. Yeah, that's, yeah. I'm rocking. Like, I don't have, I don't have a good world after that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like over $29 a year. Like this is like gold. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and solving for a specific pain, solving for a user that this, they could equate that they, they're making more money out of this. So the, the value proposition from a dollar perspective mm-hmm. you know was a hey i can get you more business right and and if it works like it should be a no-brainer mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting that you're kind of you're talking about now that you kind of thought of that 59 dollars as like three new customers would make it worthwhile for them um so were you already starting to think about like this in terms of the value to your customer or are you thinking of it more in terms of like well 59 seems like a reasonable number let's just you know That'll cover my costs. I was never thinking about covering costs. Hmm. Um, So that was never really a factor. And at least for the type of SaaS business, I mean, even to this day, we probably pay more in server costs from a redundancy perspective than for an actual scale perspective. (laughs) Like it's pretty much running, you know, it's running our own custom like web server stuff. So it's not really like, hey, I don't have all these backend like, data mining, you know, all kinds of other yeah. uh, other expenses to add to our infrastructure. So it was never for me about thinking about the cost aspect. Yeah, yeah. Cool. 
you kind of mentioned that later, like you've made some adjustments over the years too. Yeah. So this, that pricing, and like I said, I think we started at 59. If I recall, this is like summer of 2015, I believe. Um, only because I have these, I had to have these dates solid in my head. I was going to say, I <laughs> never like, remember. June of 2015. Well, it's hard to, you'll always probably remember the first paying yeah. <laughs> uh, customer because also, hey, when you're on a podcast or you're writing a story about it, that's like oftentimes one of the first questions. Yeah. But um, later that summer, the first, the next thing someone asked for again was like uh, custom domains. And I was like, okay, well, that's not in this base one. I'm going to do a pro version. So that was $109. Yeah. Um, and then speeding up a bit, I'd say like about five to six months later. Um, and and this uh, by this time, I was talking to more customers on like screen shares and, and actually understanding more of what their use case was other than just putting up the software and saying, sign up here and, you know, check it out. Um, what what one of the big uh, things that happened was I got on a call and they were they actually were kind of questioning the price and it was at the first time I got a question on the price that actually was tentative that it was so cheap uh. so it was an interesting moment and I'm like and I and I read that in their voice right it was like it's only this like yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like ooh yeah yeah. <laughs> here and and my brain started turning and trying to think about it from that customer's perspective so this customer was a um and i i don't know if i've told this story before on a podcast but it's often a, a story told but they're a a water filtration company okay. so it's like home installations it's like a ten thousand dollar install so for them you know i don't know what their customer acquisition costs were with ads and other things like that that they were previously doing um but uh, they were, once I tracked it back and understood, oh, like if I get you one new $10,000 <laughs> to you customer or at least sticker price, like this, this $110 thing looks like rinky dink cheap, like almost like, yeah. what is, is this a scam, right? Yeah, like it's going to break or <laughs> um, something. So that kind of shifted my thinking a little bit, like outside of, outside of the question of like, I pay for this as a small business because now this is a much different profile. Like, you know, a water filtration company, I'm sure like, you know, or install local, local service install probably had at least maybe 20 employees. You know, you've got admin staff, you've got sales people, you've got installers. So like, you know, how much money is moving in a company like that to the fact that I wasn't talking to an owner or founder anymore. I was talking to like a marketing person. Yeah. Um, you know, you start to think of like the payroll, you start to think of the the scale and the level that they're playing at with the amount of money moving around. Yeah. And then you go, oh, like to them, $110 is a, oh, I forgot to cancel a service and oops type of thing. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. So like, like, I feel like that must be a, a nice feeling for you because you're like, I got just, I just got this excuse to raise my prices. Well, yeah. So here's how here's how it went down. So that this was on the first call, and one of them mentioned also mentioned like, "Oh, do you do? Uh, um, I think it was uh, it was either gift cards or PayPal. I don't recall which one it was. 
Um, but they were like, uh, I, I think it was gift cards. It's like, do you do, you know, gift card fulfillment? And, you know, we want to do an Amazon gift card as the referral reward. And I'm like, uh, oh, it's on the roadmap. Let me, you know, let me investigate. I'll get back to you, blah, blah, blah. So kind of did, you know, off the call. I'm like, ooh, excited about this. So I go and do the research and figure out like it wouldn't be too difficult for us to build. Um, you know, had a follow-up call with them maybe a week week, week later or so. Um, and I updated the pricing page. I added another tier <laughs> uh, and I had it at $250. And just because I knew like they would pay more and I added like gift card fulfillment on that and just like coming soon or whatever, whatever I did to kind of just, you know, they probably knew what I was doing, yeah, but yeah. maybe they didn't and they didn't really care. So when we did get on that second call, they actually saw the pricing already. So they were like, oh, I saw you change the price. I saw there's a new pricing plan with, you know, what we were talking about. I'm like, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're building it. You know, you, it was the kick that we needed to kind of yeah, finish that out or, or, you know, oh, they're like, oh yeah, $250. Yeah. That sounds, that sounds great. Like, of course my gut was like, oh, it could have been more, but <laughs> given our own anchoring, right. Like yeah. between a $59 plan and a $110 plan and a $250 plan, or maybe 249. I think I tried to make the nines all match. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the anchoring made sense, right? Like, and that's one of the other factors you get into when you're, you know, pricing within yourself as well. So you don't go and like, oh, that's the five thousand dollar plan. And yeah. it's like, well, what's there's 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 a lot of disparity between <laughs> those prices. Yeah, and so. it's not like you could just go and up all of your other prices either without, you know, significant amount of effort and you know, probably some turmoil with your customers too, right? Right, right. So how, how are you thinking about it right now? Yeah, so um, right now I'm kind of thinking about it in the context of products owner. So I've been kind of the value to the customer that I've been looking at is uh, providing uh, competitor pricing information um, to to bricks and mortar stores. And um, so what, what like what type of bricks and mortar store? Uh, so more specifically hardware stores. So like think of like Lowe's or um home depot or your your local lumber store um kind of idea and something that those stores care a lot about is commodities so that would be your 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 two by fours and your nails and your copper pipe and whatnot um and basically they're uh they're concerned about that because if their price is uh a little bit higher than everyone else's then all of the contractors will buy everything else from the the other stores so if, you're, if you have the lowest commodity price, then you know they'll they'll come and buy your commodities, but they'll also come and buy you know everything else in your store too. So do that do the the contractors or people doing the work they know this right? So they're like looking for like a listing on a website, or they know when they're going to the store and they see, and then also for those like it's one trip right? They're there with their truck, <laughs> getting yeah. all the other things right, like. Yeah. What's it in in uh, grocery stores where it's like you know that the edges or the aisles it's like milk and they put the stuff in the back so yeah. while you're there you're going to get everything else so kind of similar for contractors. Yeah, exactly. And and like the contractors, they're not gonna they're not gonna shift stores in one day, but you know if over a couple of weeks they notice the difference, they're gonna they're gonna start moving. Um, so that's that's kind of where the store owners are seeing the the push and they they want to you know know what's going on and stay ahead of everything. And uh, so I've been trying to figure out a pricing model for these guys because I've well, well back back up. Mm-hmm. I want to understand how do they 
they want to know commodity pricing on things like lumber and whatnot. And like, it's not pricing. Is it pricing versus competitors or is it pricing versus like, like, like what the stock market is trading for lumber and things like that? Like what is, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) trying to sit inside their head and actually understand what they're, where, where you fit in this. Yeah. So they're looking at local competitors. So if I'm, if I own a, a Rona, let's say that's a popular chain around here, a, a Rona in Brantford, I care about the other hardware stores in Brantford because, mm-hmm. you know, the contractors will switch between the stores in Brantford, but they won't, they're not going to drive three hours to, to save, you know, 10 cents on a piece of two by four. So the value, the, the value to them is knowing the prices of the other stores in their area. Um, so okay. that they can beat them. So the, the is it says you said Rona is that what you call Rona? It? Yep. Is that is it like a big box store? Like you mentioned Lowe's and Home Depot here, mm-hmm. and I know Lowe's and Home Depot in in the states are like just these massive uh, like, and I I think they're corporate too. I don't think they're franchises. So are you are you selling to corporate ones, or are you selling to like? So you said you're selling to local, or you're you're helping local understand versus other local is that yeah is that do i have that correct yes yeah, so there's actually a, there's a whole structure in terms of like how the different hardware stores are organized um and i'm hoping to address that whole market um but mm-hmm. initially i'm just kind of trying to feel out where the the, the lowest hanging fruit is and at this point okay. um i've talked to a few people that are independent um so that would be like your your local hardware store that doesn't have a name brand um mm-hmm. But, you know, I also have thoughts around uh, different franchises to approach to. Okay. Because uh, I certainly see that as a um, a sales avenue, like our marketing channel, uh, to use a franchise um, way to communicate with everyone. Yeah. So I've kind of been thinking about that and I've kind of, I've already validated that this is a problem for this group of people um, and that they're either already paying for it um, directly paying for our service, um, similar to what I would offer, or they're, uh, paying people to do it manually, uh, which is super expensive and intense. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's, those are great problems where you had someone manually, like you have a guy that his job is solely to go to the other stores and like, look at these prices oh, it's, tell you what they are it's insane what the stories i've heard from some people of what they've been doing like the the scheduling and the like the allocation of time resources oh it's just it's nuts interesting yeah so like trying to figure out pricing for this i've, I've been really struggling because um to date i haven't been able to get any of the um my potential customers to kind of give up like who are we using for this service if we're paying somebody or like what kind of ballpark they're even spending on it. It's interesting that they're not like, you mean give up like, the, it's like, come on, give it up. Like what's, what's the secret? What's your, like what? <laughs> so they're using something and it sounds, if it is like a secret of some sort, is it like a shady thing or is it like? Yeah, so um, I've been, I have been having a hard time getting people to open up about their pricing, uh, like what they're paying uh, other people to do this, this pricing, uh, information for, um, and I've had a few problems that people have brought up where, you know, the, the data is not accurate or the, the company seems a little flaky, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking about like, how do I price this? 
Um, cause I could certainly look at competitors and just, you know, kind of copy them, but I don't really want to get into the whole commodity race to the bottom kind of thing. Well, do you know, do you have an idea who the competitors are like, and I don't know, I, I, I have so many questions in this area that aren't related to pricing though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, pricing is kind of all based on all these things, right? Well, so, yeah, you're right. You're um, right. The, the competitors in the area, um, the people that I've talked to, I have the feeling that they're using a custom software, like somebody has rigged them up a custom solution to this, uh, like as a one-off, and they're probably charging them quite a bit. Um, but there are also other companies that I've come across, like if I just search the web for uh, price scraping. Um, there definitely are companies out there that are easily accessible with, um, you know, consumer level type pricing. Right. But, but why do they not want to share? Is it like, is it a defensible thing? Like, for example, if maybe you are, they don't trust you yet. And they're like, are you actually from someone of these other companies? They want to know what they're using so that they can block the service or I don't know. I'm just like, this is like a really, weird thing like I, I don't think i've ever run across it where someone is like very cagey about what they're using like and why I, I th- unless it's like I mafia think maybe, <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, well I, I think maybe it's it's a, a strategy to get me to bid low like just because i don't have fixed pricing yet and they kind of know that that they're like well if i don't tell you then you're just going to give me you know your best price and that will be good for me because probably it'd be lower than whatever else I have. Interesting. It's a theory. I, don't know. <laughs> I feel like I'm just going to keep digging until I figure out what other people are charging. But well, I mean, aside from that, I guess I, I mean you have to put something out there, right? And and you have to ha- also mm. have the mindset that this isn't going to be your only customer. So, I mean, it's okay to be a little bit on the cheap or whatever you feel like is reasonable for it, right? Because like mm-hmm. at the end of it, you need to have enough that they're not just going with you because you're the cheapest, but like enough that they know it's you're they're trying it out, but at the same time, like you're you are providing, you know, some value. So it's not yeah. you're you know, all of this for you is about like testing it, right? Testing the market, testing this thesis of this and you know, pricing is a part of it. Doesn't have to be the perfect metric with it, but it can't be so so bad that that actually skews your your test, so to speak. Yeah, that's true. And I, and I guess probably what's kind of pushing me the most, which doesn't really make sense logically, is um, to do this, like to provide the pricing information. I have to pay for a few services, and um, you know, they're like a hundred to two hundred bucks a month or something like that. Which isn't, you know, that's why I'm saying it's not logical. Like, it's not a big deal to pay for that. But um, when I'm thinking about pricing, I'm like, oh, I got to make sure I cover that cost. And I want it to be worth my time because, like, you know, what if this is the only person I get signing up and that kind of thing? I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much about the cost perspective, trying to cover your cost. Because the whole idea is that you're going to have 10, 20, 50 customers for this. Now, obviously, like, you know you don't want to totally shoot yourself in the foot <laughs> where it's going to cost you an exorbitant amount of money. And now you're putting extra pressure on yourself. But if it's a couple hundred dollars to like experiment this out, like I wouldn't mm-hmm. really try to, f- 
have that too much as a factor. Um, because again, this is all temporal. And I, I know it's easy to think that this stuff is like permanent. When, one, you could change the price later. You can always, like, it can be month to month and you're like, hey, the price has gone up. <laughs> um, yeah. And it can also do it in a nice way. You know, you, you grandfather, you do different things. So this is not anything new in, in, you know, pricing. But at the same time, if it, at some point, you get this person to sign up and maybe it's an anomaly, hopefully not, but, you know, you have one or two and, it basically doesn't make you any money. And three months in, you're like, one, I either have to change the pricing if you really value this, or like I can shut it down. Like, so don't, don't view it as like a forever hook. <laughs> uh, it's easy to. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I guess, I guess in my mind, I'm probably already trying to work out the unit economics before I even know what the market's willing to bear on it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm already thinking, well, how many customers do I need to have for this to be making me X dollars? Is that worth it? Um, and like you said, it's an experiment. I think that's I think that's great advice. Yeah, like the things you're thinking about, which is great to think ahead and think about second order problems and like what happens if this is successful and where does this go? But if you're never going to get there, it's never going to matter. So that's right. Yeah, oh, that's that's a that's a great point. Um, what's interesting though? Yeah, what's what's I, funny though? Uh, what I do like about your approach so far, it is pulling you, seems to be pulling you towards higher prices. I'm not sure that, that you're, then you're comfortable with, because I think the fallacy or the, the trap that a lot of founders, developers like us always often get into is like, well, I wouldn't pay for that service, right? Like, and yeah. the whole, I'm actually not the customer. And yeah, like that mind blown moment for me with that whole, like thinking of the, the the water filtration thing and thinking like what does this company actually look like and oh yeah like a hundred dollars is like a oops i forgot to click this button to limit my ad budget it, problem yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's so true and i think that's kind of been my journey with product sonar too has been every time i've kind of come across a, a choice between two paths it's always been what's the one that has the highest probability of um, becoming a sustainable business faster. Um, and that's kind of what's led me to this point. And I think, I think that's really interesting because the technical side in me is like, Oh, but there's all this shiny stuff down the road over that way. Um, and I'm just glad that I've gotten to this point so far. Cool. Well, well then, um, yeah. What did you have other questions on pricing? Yeah. And so I thought, maybe we could talk a little bit more about like some of the other pricing models. Um, I know you've talked about like doing um, you, ha you had kind of a value-based pricing when you were doing referral rock. Um, but I know there's a lot of other kind of models out there too. Mm -hmm. um, and just maybe some general thoughts on it. Like um, what are the ones I've got here is just like performance based um, pay payments. What, you have any thoughts on the pros and cons of, of trying to run your business that way? On a sorry, you said performance based. Is that what you said? Yeah. So, like, you know, if like kind of like a sales commission type way of doing things. Uh, yeah, I've I've thought a bit about it. It's it's something that some um some services uh like Referral Rock have done. Um, sometimes it'll be like you know percentage of uh like the commissions they're paying out or percentage of the rewards, um, things like that. Um. It's not something I'm opposed to, and in the and but it does require a 
definite shift of mentality. So in the beginning, I didn't even think about it as an option. Uh, although some, I think some of our competitors did at the very beginning, and it was very much like a, hey, it doesn't cost you anything until you make something. And I, I was kind of, a, I always felt mixed bag about that because it's it's sort of like, yes, you're paying for when there is value and you do have a upscale, like upscaling with it, like the more value they're getting, you're just kind of along for the ride. Um, but I also always thought that there's an innate value in just having the program and having a hosted program. And there's mm-hmm. like, and and I think kind of them putting some skin in the game to make it as good as they, they as good a program from a marketing perspective, from a like visual perspective, all of those types of things, like their willingness to invest in it and put skin in, in it, in it themselves, um, I thought should, should align as well. So yeah, that's kind of interesting. Like you're thinking about it, that the customer is almost making an investment here. So they, they're putting money in and they they can realize a whole lot of upside without any additional cost. Um, whereas if you had gone with the, the per referral or something like that method, yeah, they don't have any cost up front, but they're, they're going to pay a lot when they get a lot of referrals. Yeah. And I also think there's like a limitation to that. And I can't say if this is what I thought then, but this is what I think now. Um, But (laughs) there is a certain point of like where, okay, let's say you're doing the referral program and it's a percentage. And at some point, once it starts costing you like, oh, it now costs me like $5,000 a month to run this and I'm getting all these yields out of it. But it's like, could I just like, now that I know the formula of what program works and how to do this, could I just stand up like a no code version and or like switch to another provider that doesn't charge per thing and just basically model the same thing? Like as you scale up, right? Like you could see quickly that someone that is really successful with it also, you know, feels a little more jaded. Now you could do volume pricing, you can do all kinds of other things, but you know, it's, it's a, it's a game um, that I wasn't at least that at that point, interested in playing and trying to like not worry about someone gaming the system or deleting things and just you know i I thought the pricing model at least in the very beginning should be should be fairly simple and that was never really a friction point so Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's really interesting like i I could kind of see both sides of it where like if i was to start a referral program i could i could see myself going with the revenue sharing side of things um, I, I think that's interesting how you think about that. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and I am, and, and we are in further, you know, so if you look at our pricing now, we are far from the 59, 109 and 249 pricing. Um, there's many iterations that have happened in between. And at this point we are like evaluating some, some changing of some options. Like we have the typical like three plan, and call for enterprise um, sort of model mm-hmm. that everyone knows and loves, and uh, but we are looking at at you know changing that. So th- unit based types of things, you know, it may not be necessarily rev share, but um, more unit based pricing could factor into it. I mean, we do have units within our plans, like certain amount of members. There's other caps and different limitations within the plans, but. Mm-hmm. I am definitely thinking a lot about that. And actually one of the podcast episodes we had, uh, 
you know, maybe two, three episodes ago um, when we talked about customer.io. Yep. Um, their model has me very intrigued. So it was like, I really like the way that one works, if you recall. Um, yeah, could you remind me of that one again? I, I forgot. It. So they have uh, two plans. Uh, and their base plan is like, you know, starter or whatever uh, plan. It's like $150 a month. Um, and it says up to, I think, 12,000 profiles. That's what they call them in their system. So, okay. uh, and unlimited emails and unlimited messaging, okay. I, I believe. Um, but then their next plan, so there's two plans. And then the next, the other plan, I believe, is either 800 or 1,000. So it's a big jump, but that's also where the, you know, dedicated customer success, that's where basically, enterprise and if you get past the 12,000 profiles like you got to go up to that plan if you want to go blow past those you get a bunch of other fringe benefits but it in my mind it clearly separates two pieces and then they have a scaling factor within those with with number of profiles so um when looking at our plan we do a lot of this now we have a lot of we have a lot of really good information from customers from uh for a long time, we, we have had a customer success team that helps people on board, and we can go into that. That's a whole different story <laughs> um, and a different mm -hmm. pricing story, which I'll bring up another day. I did have it in my notes to talk about today, but I don't think it probably makes sense to cover. But um, essentially, we have a lot of information, and there seems to be like we've kind of classified two different types of users, and this would be a, a clean way to divide them. Um, so Right. Yeah, I've definitely heard that before too. Like the that your pricing structures kind of they're they're related to segments of your customers. Like, are you in box A or are you in box B? And then you can you can tailor your features to those archetypes, right? Like, make sure that you're serving each of those segments um, in the best way you can. Right. And we've done some interesting, like the way ours ours are even breaking down now. It is sort of in that manner, like like having Salesforce as an integration isn't our top level plan because we also know you're probably paying $150 a user and no one just has one user in Salesforce. So from a from yep. a share of wallet or share of budget perspective and thinking about similar to the second the uh, water filtration company, things like that, it's like thinking in scope of what they spend because mm -hmm. they're not may not necessarily be anchoring you to other other competitors that is a, a factor but they're also just anchoring you to what they're used to spending what that what that group is used to spending um on what's on, what else is on their budget line what other tools are they paying for yeah i think i think that's such a good one like thinking about what other people are spending and that's one of the things i've been trying to figure out with products owner too is like what what else do you spend on software like what's normal for you because I think that dictates in a lot of ways, like how they're going to perceive your product too, right? Like you said, with the water filtration company, they're like, oh, your product's so cheap. Like, is it broken? Mm -hmm. Or like, right. right? You have the, they, they had like a like, distrust because it was so cheap. Um, so Right, exactly. Yeah. It's so interesting how much signal goes on with that. So I, I think maybe just to, to kind of round out our, our discussion here as we kind of get a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. um, is there any advice that you'd give to someone starting out? Like if someone 
like me is coming along and you had, you know, three sentences you could tell to them about pricing, what sort of things might you say? Uh, I think, you know, I think we've said them a bit over the course of the episode, but I'll round them up here, which was, I think the, the first one that I mentioned to you is that this can change, right? Like this can, and, and inevitably will change. Like just setting this, it may last three months. It may last two months. It may last three years. <laughs> um, a lot of factors can can happen there, but don't worry about trying to set the perfect pricing now because it inevitably will change. Um, the second one, which I think you already do a good job uh, is like you already have gotten in your head that you are not the customer. So it's not like this is too expensive for me. I would never pay for this. I could just build it. Like all of those first inflection points that uh, or insights that a developer-minded person would have. It's like you are not your customer. And even you know we kind of went through that well with like you know that water filtration company probably had twenty plus employees, and I'm a one-person thing. So I'm not thinking in the same ballpark or even in the same game. Um. The other one is the not too cheap, right? Like it has, you've kind of learned a little bit about that. It's like getting too cheap actually almost gets questionable on it, um, on, on, mm-hmm. on the quality. And is this real? Uh, um, yeah. yeah. And also gets you the wrong, sometimes it can attract the wrong type of person too. Right? Exactly. Yep. Yep. Um, and yeah, we mentioned that as well. Like it also, even in this testing phase for you, just to get that customer, it, it may invalidate some of your assumptions that you're trying to kind of prove out, so to speak. Um, so I do think you're on to something thinking somewhat about costs <laughs> that you're going to have. Like yeah. it should be somewhat in your head, but not too much about I need to make up the costs within like a couple of customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's some, uh, some great advice. And I think, uh, you know, me two years ago what should have it would have been great to hear all that <laughs> i think uh some some pain could have been avoided for sure yeah yeah but we also know probably who knows if you would have listened <laughs> that, that is so true that is so true i think uh experience uh experience is a really good teacher for those of us that are a little too stubborn to listen true 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 enough all right <laughs> all right i'll see you next uh, week josh thanks nate Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed our podcast, please share with a friend. We're new to this podcasting thing, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. Tweet us at Searching for SAS on Twitter. That's Searching, the number four, SAS. Or send an email to searchingforsass at gmail.com. See you next week. Bye.